What the fuck is up, world? Diali, Tlaltik Bak. We back in this bitch. Another episode, another podcast for that ass. Coming about two weeks now from my last podcast. Seems to be the going rate at this current time. Um, But I'm happy with that because it's less than a month, which was the going rate for a couple of months, right? Um, but now we're back around the two week mark, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit okay with, I'm a little bit better with the goal is to fully recover, if you will, to use the parlance of, uh, of what we're going to be discussing for today. The goal would be again, to fully recover <laughs> and get back to the point where it's less than a, it's about a week, a week time turnaround. You know what I mean? That's the goal for this podcast. And that's the goal that I have for myself. Um, that's the goal that I have for a few other projects that I hope to be able to get back on track with, you know, now that. Well, now that it's been about three months, it's three months and about two days from today, right? So today is Saturday, November 27th. So in about on Monday, it'll be three months since the transitioning of my brother to the Miklan. And um, yeah, I'm not saying that it's time to get over it. I'm just saying the time that it's uh, it's starting to set in, if you will. Okay. Uh, the first couple of months was more like denial phase. Um, I'm still in the denial phase. It's not linear. Progress is not in this particular sense. Healing is not linear. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of spiraling, if if you will. I don't want to say going back in regression because uh, I I don't think that, you know, uh, uh, collapsing back into denial is a regression. It's just spiraling through the through the the spectrum, if you will, of the recovery process of dealing with the grief of the passing of a loved one. You know what I mean? So it's been about three months now and I can officially, not officially, I'm just not like a grand statement or whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to say like, at least for me, it feels as though, okay, I'm accepting it. It's slowly coming in waves, the acceptance of the transitioning of my brother to the mic line. You know what I mean? So I'm no longer stuck, if you will, at least at the very least in the denial phase, so much as I am open to the idea of, you know, acceptance. <laughs> and uh, acceptance is going to play a critical part for today's podcast. So I'm just, you know, again, introducing the parlance, if you will, that I'll be uh, using for the theme if, for today, right? Um, before I do, though, I want to give a quick shout out. Actually, let me pull up the fucking information here. Give me one second. Uh, a couple of quick shout outs, actually. The first of which being to a person. I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to gender. I don't want to gender you, homie. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'll use the gender neutral terms, homie. <laughs> Uh, who reached out on the gram first by the name of Alt News 666 and gave a lovely feedback, not just on the episode of the podcast, the previous one, but on others as well. Just know, um, where fuck, let's see, Argentina, right? Argentina and currently working his way around Europe and shit. You know what I mean? Working their way around Europe again to avoid the gendered language and shit. Um, just know, I appreciate the fuck out of you reaching out and letting me know what you feel like, um, every little bit of it. Just the fact that you felt compelled to reach out alone. You know what I'm saying? Um, the same is true for, uh, Jessica, I'm not sure exactly where Jessica's from. I believe Albuquerque, if I'm not mistaken, but um, reaching out, if you will, on YouTube to comment on the last uh, episode of the podcast. I didn't respond to it. I'm sorry, but just know that if you're listening to this, I do appreciate the fuck out of it. Uh, it was a very heartfelt comment. And part of the reason why I didn't respond is because it kind of, you know, it forced me to sit back and really reflect on a lot of shit. And uh, by the time I was done with that reflection, I just, you know, I'll get, I'll get back to this, what I'm saying. And I hope this podcast makes up for it in the time being, right? So shout out to you as well. And again, as always, honestly, shout out to everybody who's listening to this motherfucker who stays listening to this bitch, even though I don't put them out consistently as I should be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just know that I appreciate the fuck out of it. Um, quick formalities, as always, if you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram and something along a similar vein on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that other kind of shit, even though to be fair or to be honest, I don't use them, right? 
the gram is mostly where you'll find me. Um, anyways, let's just get into it, Doc, because I got a lot of fucking shit to get through today. And actually, I'm going to take into account some of the feedback that this alt new 666 uh, person hooked me up with. And it was in regards to the pacing of the podcast. As I've mentioned before, it was my initial goal to try to keep these bitches under an hour because I'm cognizant of how precious your time is. And I'm thankful of the fact that you even choose to spend it with me. And uh, in order to you know show that uh, 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 that appreciation, I try to keep them under an hour in the hopes that I won't be taking up too much of your time. You know what I'm saying? But uh, some of the feedback that I've received, and it's not just this gentleman, but I'm assuming again, it's a guy. I'm sorry, man. I'm just such a cisgender chauvinistic piece of shit. <laughs> um, uh, part of the feedback that they gave me was that, you know, maybe slow it down a little bit because the time really isn't a constraint so for, you know, for, for most people. I know me personally, I do enjoy long form podcasts. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, it meant a lot. That, that, that particular uh, feedback meant a lot. So uh, a little bit of the changing in the pace is going to be like, I'm not going to be rushing, scrambling to try to get it under an hour anymore because, you know, there's so much that I got to talk about, dog. And for this particular one, I got 16 pages worth of material. So previously, I would have like sped through this motherfucker just to try to keep it into under an hour. But um, part of the account of the feedback that, you know, just to show like, yeah, dog, I do fucking, it means a lot when you all reach out to me and, you know, you share your thoughts. And if you're going to be courteous enough to listen to this shit, the least I can be is courteous enough to fucking take into account the constructive feedback you have to offer. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, let's, there's no necessarily re- uh, need to rush it. If it takes however long it takes, it is what it is, dog, because who knows? I might not even drop another one of these motherfuckers for another two weeks. You know what I mean? Hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be less than, uh, less than that, but you never know, right? So, um, yeah, even though I'm kind of in the uh, acceptance, slowly entering into the acceptance phase, it still doesn't mean that I have fucking completely been able to have done so. You know what I mean? And in fact, uh, <clears throat> with this last week being the holiday, you know what I mean? The, the first official holiday the quote unquote fucking Thanksgiving, right? A uh, day of thanks, if you will, indigenous day of mourning, whatever fucking day it is, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. And, uh, part of the difficulty was it was the first holiday without my brother. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, in anticipation and in response to, uh, I personally dealt with it in a way that basically slipped me back into a lot of my old addictive tendencies. Okay. But, um, that's, so that's going to be kind of the point of this podcast. But the central gist is going to be, it's not going to be like a, a self-righteous over-glorification of myself so much as it's going to be an analysis of not just the origins of hood philosophy, but how I've ultimately been able to up, not just learn the lessons, but apply them in a way now where, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be is what I'm trying to say. And it's my sincere desire that in sharing it, it would, you know, hopefully be able to help some of y'all who are going through it as well. You know what I mean? And, you know, if not, I hope that you continue to search and that you do find something that brings you a little bit of peace and calm and clarity as the shit, my cat over there scratching away on my fucking couches, <laughs> um, that has brought you some of the clarity that it is that these personal reflections have been able to bring to my life. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what it is. It's going to be a reflection, right? Uh, on the addictive practices, dog, and how they've, you know, how they've shaped my life. And, you know, I'm aware of them now again. So this podcast, if anything, is an attempt to highlight and share them, right? But also to address them on my behalf so it can help me personally overcome them and get back to where it was that I need to be, where I feel as though I need to be. I should be very clear about that because another central theme that I'm going to be addressing in this uh, podcast is how our mind fucks with us, dog, how our thoughts fuck with us and how, you know, something as seemingly inconsequential as our own personal expectations of ourselves and where we should be in life at any given moment fucks with us, you know what I mean? And how realistically... 
those aren't necessarily the external reflections of the world, how they truly are, but nothing more than just our own thoughts that are fucking with us on a daily basis, right? The quote unquote, the, the evils, if you will, to quote the Jay-Z song, but also to quote this idea that I got in this hood philosophy shit about just the negative forces in life that bring that, you know, they just work. Maybe, you know, I don't want to say work like is that they're actively against us, but uh, they're the negative elements in life that are present that we could slip up into the traps, if you will, of life. You know what I mean? So I'm going to talk a lot about compassion and forgiveness. Okay. And I'm talking to you, no doubt, because this, this is a two-way conversation. But um, I, it really is like me talking to myself, you know what I mean, in this case, because, you know, I hate that I'm here right now. I really do. Um, but at the very least, I'm happy that I know that it won't be for long, okay? Again, there was a time when this was a default. This Wherever I'm at right now, this Nepantla phase, if you will, which I'll talk about. It's not what philosophy, you know what I mean? One of the three motions of... Uh, uh, change that shaped the construct, that shaped the unfolding of reality of Teot, right? Nepantla is one of them. Oli motion change. And then, uh, the third one escapes me at the moment. But the basic idea is that Nepantla is a state of transitioning, a state of change. It's a very uncomfortable change. You know what I mean? And, uh, I hate that I'm here, but part of the learning to practice the fucking self, uh, compassion and forgiveness is knowing that it won't be for long. A and B, I perhaps most importantly, it's, it's, it's a growth phase. It's, you're going to grow from this. You know what I mean? Like inevitably you got to, it, it will be fucking a, a difficult transition. It will be a difficult growth, but you will be a different, hopefully better person because of it. Right. So yeah, like again, there was a time when this fucking addictive phase that I'm currently in right now was the default. And I truly felt that, you know, that was all there is to life. But again, thankfully that's not the case anymore because of this progress that I've made. Right. So um, I share this again with you in, in today with the hopes that, you know, it can possibly help you one day if you ever find yourself in a situ similar situation as well. And again, as I said, you know, if, if it doesn't, I hope that you continue to do so. Or perhaps that if you have found it yourself, that you share it with the world in order to, you know, just help alleviate, if you will, some of the suffering you know, uh, inherent with, you know, just everyday life type shit, dog. So give me one second. All right, I'm back. I had to flip the script a little bit because, well, a costume change for those of you who are only listening. Uh, it's approaching winter time here in the desert, all right? And, uh, and unfortunately, as I mentioned before, the room that I'm recording in isn't the warmest in the, in, in the house. But uh, I got to, you know, keep the air, uh, the, the heater off because it creates too much disturbance and all that kind of shit. I want to make for as pleasurable listening experience for you as possible, right? So, yeah, let's get to it, right? The basic idea here is that philosophy for me, dog, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's therapy. It's not kind of like, it, it is, it's therapy for me. Okay. Uh, there's, there, I'm not trying to like, be too pronounced about it. Cause I don't want to say that I'm like a therapist or some shit. Cause I'm not dog. You know what I mean? And I'm not pretending to be, I'm just saying that for me personally, always philosophy has been very therapeutic. You know what I mean? For other people working out is the same for other people, you know, driving around in their vehicle. There's all kinds of forms of therapy. And for me, philosophy is one of them. Okay. So for this episode, I'm kind of continuing along the I'm too depressed, if you will, to do anything new theme <laughs> by revisiting some old ideas that, again, have really helped me deal with these tough times in life, bro. And uh, it's funny because a lot of these ideas, they're honestly re-emerging, if you will, organically. It's just like happen to co happening to coincide in the sense that I've already, like I said, I've been in this position before. I've been in Nepantla before, right? So that's part of the positivity is knowing like, A, you're in Nepantla, learning that you're in Nepantla, but B, also knowing that you're going to get out of Nepantla. And then when you do get out of Nepantla, it's going to be a, a time of magnificent growth. Like it's just, it, it's just an inevitability. Well, it can potentially be if you learn the ideas and you, and, and, and you use it and you utilize them for your benefit. You know what I mean? It can be a time of potential, like immense growth, but it can also be a time of continued stagnation. That's kind of the point of this new podcast that I'll work through. Like I keep qualifying them, but I'll work through it. Okay. 
Anyways, so I'm currently, like I said, in this, if you will, quote unquote, recovery tip of my life where <laughs> I'm, I'm revisiting this old writing, right? That I've been working on for, for the past four years, basically. The ones that, you know, I eventually hope to make from into books and shit. The ones that, as I mentioned before, are the foundation of hood philosophy. And I guess in that vein, it, 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 you know, it bears to say that for those of you who are, you know, new to my shit, <laughs> uh, this place that I'm at, dog, it's, it's, uh, honestly, it's, another, it's helping me realize, like, I'm revisiting these writings, that, uh, it's another one of those foundational elements in hood philosophy that I haven't talked about in a while. And it's certainly less per- prominent now, especially, in, you know, for those of you who are watching the videos, because, before I used to have it on, at my old house, I used to have it on the wall written behind me, but not in this new house. You know what I mean? Um, but it's basically, it's part of the fucking insights that I glean about myself personally and the cycles that I go through in life, bro. Insights that, you know, you gain from reading the, you know, the, the me personally, I got, I got it from reading the Russell Brand book, dog, the fucking, uh, the, the Russell Brand book on addiction, right? And, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, just as a tangent, it's absolutely worth reading, bro. It's a great book. Anyways. Uh, the fucking, um, realization, the cycle is of uh, addiction, recovery, and relapse, right? And how the relapse part plays in this, uh, the whole theme for today's podcast is again, <laughs> uh, revisiting these fucking, uh, uh, cycles and shit where we find ourselves and how, you know, how that in turn leads to mental fucking anguish, essentially. Okay. And the, uh, and the idea here being knowledge of it, of the, of the cycle. So that we can, you know, actually engage in the therapeutic processes that we glean from the, philosoph- uh, the philosophizing in order to try to not only elevate ourselves from that, but I guess perhaps more importantly, not learn from those lessons and, con- and use them to continue building towards a better life, right? So with this Russell Brand book, dog, what happened is it made me realize basically that addiction, it manifests itself in many ways, bro. Many ways <laughs> uh, uh, than just, you know, drug or alcohol abuse, gambling and sex addictions and all that kind of shit, Right. Ways that I myself hadn't personally realized were affecting me as well. So, you know, and getting back to these cycles, it's that, again, that's where I'm currently at at the moment. And obviously, I'm already, you know, <laughs> mentioned the, the, the death of my brother as, as the impetus why, right? And how I've spiraled into this whole outright new addictive phase in my life. Uh, one that I honestly thought I was going to be completely beyond. Like, I, I, just, I, th- I thought I was done with this kind of shit, dog. But <laughs> again, there's nothing as traumatic as the death of a loved one to shake us out of this fucking state of uh, sense of false security and, you know, back into uh, these uh, precocious, if you will, precocious <laughs> uh, situations in life, bro. And that that's kind of what happened to me. Like, I thought I was recovered, if you will. But it turns out that relapse is an ever-present threat. Like, it's just always there. And um, I guess uh, for a little while, it was kind of fucking with me that I was back at this point in my life because I thought that I was moved beyond it, Right. But uh, as I was sitting down to revisit this old writings and, you know, taking the time to actually no longer be in denial and, and move on towards acceptance, it gave me the space to fucking realize that, nah, dog, relapse is an ever-present threat, and that's okay. Part of the whole emotional distress that I've been talking about is, and, and, and these ideas that we have about who we are and what we should be in life are mostly self-created ideas of who we are and where we should be in life. Um, for me personally, I had this, I, this fucking burning, just fucking soul crushing fucking feeling that, you know, I was being hypocritical because I've speak, I've spoken before of, of, of recovery. And now I was no longer, I am no longer living a life of recovery. I've only been sober for three days in the last fucking three months, basically. Okay. Um, and it's been tough. It's been tough. It's not just three days. It's been like maybe two weeks, <laughs> two weeks sobriety out of the last three months and dealing with the wake of my brother's death. Right. And, you know, because of that, I felt like extreme guilt and hypo- because of the hypocrisy, you know, that I've spoken in the past about sobriety and shit, you know what I mean? And recovery, knowing that I'm completely relapsed at the moment. 
And uh, that fucking, that shit was fucking with me so bad that instead of like accepting it, if you will, and being okay with it, it like was forcing me to drink more because of how comforting it is to just not have to deal with that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? But then I sat down to actually sit with my emotions because just I started realizing like, nah, dog, you're in this pattern of behavior. You know where this pattern of behavior leads to because you've gone through it before. You're clearly in it again and you need to fucking, you need to step your game up and do the work necessary to separate yourself from this because you know where this goes. You know how this can fucking continue unabated until you actually pump the brakes and fucking make the change. And if you don't do so soon, you're going (laughs) to, these three months are going to cycle into six months, into a year and so on. Right. So I was like, fuck that, dog. Right. So I guess the point that I'm trying to say is when it comes to this fucking addictive behavior, like I was thinking to myself at first, at first that I wasn't in first dealing with the death of my brother, that I wasn't in denial and that I was actually confronting it because I wasn't initially fucking just drinking all the time. (laughs) Uh, my, My addictions crept up on me slowly but surely, right? It started in the most innocuous way and that was by fucking mindless social media consumption. And uh, it's funny because, well, it's one thing to say like, yeah, I'm addicted to social media. I have to fucking check it at every single moment. You know what I mean? Because that's basically what happens. But it's another thing to understand like what Lee, how, how this addiction, how this, the, the evils, if you will, just slowly rear their heads, bro. And uh, w- what happened to me is they slowly reared their head because obviously in the passing of my brother, instead of having wanting to deal with it, I was actively searching. I was actively distracting myself with social media in an effort to fucking avoid having to do so, right? And, um, and you know, obviously I'm not fucking the only one, but we all know that fucking social media is a very powerful force in this particular respect. And that uh, not only does it, does in fact actually offer the, you know, the relief, but it's like a drug-like effect, you know what I mean? So what happens, at least to me personally, is I let my guard down, I let myself slip. <laughs> and uh, I let myself slip in the sense that because this fucking... Uh, a drug-like effect of social media was, you know, not comforting. It was anesthetizing me uh, in the wake of my brother's death that, you know, I, I slipped into that addictive behavior. And then from there, it, go, it went into like eating junk food compulsively. And then from there, it went into fucking taking naps midday. But I never fucking nap. I, I don't. Like, it's just not a thing that I do. You know what I mean? Uh, not anymore, at least. Not like within the last 10 years of my life. Because again, you put that brakes down and you say, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. But, um, yeah, I found myself like napping more, but all of that, well, I kept explaining in a way because I was just like, ah, I'm dealing with the death of my brother and it's okay because despite the fact that he just died, like, I'm okay, I'm okay, like, it's okay, so everything's fine, like, my life's not spiraling. It was, dog, and the reason why it was is because the only reason I thought I was okay was because of the anesthetizing behavior that I was engaging in, which we're not, we don't consider it to be fucking addictions because they're not, it's not the prominent addictions that people speak of. It wasn't fucking alcohol abuse, it wasn't gambling, it was none of the like, you know what I mean? But inevitably, it does spiral into the ultimate end, which was for me the alcohol abuse. You know what I mean? <laughs> so then the self-hypocrisy, dealing with the self-hypocrisy of my behalf. And, you know, this was no exception, right? So uh, I guess in the time, what I'm trying to get to inevitably is that in the time that I actually took to be sober and sit with my thoughts in this last couple of weeks, I realized that that was just all in my head, bro. A lot of that is just all in my head, right? And, you know, our thoughts, they're just so powerful, bro. Especially when, well, at least for me, I'm not trying to speak for you, but for me, like when I'm in my most depressive, my mind tends to skew towards this imagined standards that other ha- that other people have of me that I've created and locked myself into, bro. I've locked myself into this shit. You know what I mean? But uh, before where this was the default, where 
I locked myself in this fucking, my own prison, my own creative prison, right? I'm learning this and attempting again to overcome it, right? I'm trying to practice compassion and forgiveness, not just towards others, dog, but myself as well, right? Because there was a time, bro, when the hypocrisy, would it would fucking literally kill me, dog, and cause me personal, like, mental distress. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm not going to let that be the case anymore. And it's not because I'm trying to, you know, give myself an out, if you will, for my addictive behaviors. It's just because instead, like, on top of practicing, you know, compassion and forgiveness, I'm accepting the fact that this is a cycle that I go through, dog. It just, you know, it is what it is. Like, I'm not trying to fuck it. I'm not going to fight against my nature. It's always been my nature to be in this cycle. And instead of fighting against it, I'm, again, I'm not trying to give myself an out for it. I'm, I'm just mindful of the fact that, yep, this, this, is a, this is a pattern in my life. This is a pattern and I'm making the conscientious step to fucking try to stop it, right? And the try part, I emphasize that because that's this part of the, know, some more shit in continuing along in these own mental prisons that we create that I'm realizing how much I fuck myself with, you know what I mean? And that is the fucking idea that of permanence. Uh, there should be no fucking trying, if you will, to be sober. You're either sober or you're not, right? And that's that's a fucking enormous, enormous fucking amount of weight to put on people, dog. And, you know, kudos to those of you who are able to fucking do it. Like, props. You know what I mean? The same with, like, this fucking David Goggins character, who I hold in fucking very high esteem. When, you know, like, you look at them and they're doing their own shit where there's never no excuses. And I fucking respect the fuck out of that. And I try to live my life in that particular kind of way. But what I'm saying is that I know the pattern in my life is one where inevitably I, a break just comes. And the point that I'm going to try to get to is that I'm no longer trying to see these breaks as a fucking fault or a weakness in character, but rather I'm trying to fucking recognize them for cycles that I go through. And that instead of fucking, you know, beating myself up because I broke and thus it, it showed some sort of weakness on my behalf that I should see it as nothing more than an opportunity to just fucking put the weight down for a second, bro. Like we fucking, we value and we privilege this idea that you have to fucking have this immense amount of strength and continue to fight this burden for the entirety of your life, which is admirable. It's admirable, no question. But it's also why fucking Nietzsche had a mental breakdown, bro. Like, let's be fucking real. That's an enormous weight to be carrying for the entirety of your life. And again, kudos to people who are able to fucking do so. I imagine like David Goggins and shit, you know what I mean? But for the most people, dog, like for most of us, myself, definitely, I, the break inevitably comes, bro. And uh, it, what I'm starting to realize is it's not, a, it's not weakness, bro. It's, it's okay to say that you're not doing well. It's okay to say that you need help. It's okay to say that you're not able to fucking, you just can't carry this burden at the moment. You know what I mean? Uh, especially as dudes. You're like, I'm not trying to be gender exclusive here. But, you know, it's obviously the stereotype against men is that the stigma uh, of men's mental health. You know, like, I'm not going to ignore that either, bro. You know, so it's fucking difficult for us to say like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're raised from a young age to be very macho in that sense. Like you can suck it up no matter what, which again, I respect and I admire. But the idea here is that it doesn't have to be that way anymore. You can put the weight down for a second and say, you know what? I, I, I can't, I can't carry this right now. I need to, I need a break. I need a break. Right. And the idea is to move past this notion that Asking for a break is some sort of weakness on a person's behalf, but instead rather an opportunity to learn, to reflect, to grow, to develop, and, you know, to inevitably build ourselves back up to the point where we're going to be able to lift that weight and continue moving it forward, dog. And this insight is really what helped me move a little bit, just a little bit beyond the denial phase of the death of my brother and a little bit more towards the fucking acceptance phase. 
when my brother first passed, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I just fucking from the moment that I got the, I mean, <laughs> it was fucking like two years, bro, from the time that he got diagnosed to the time that he died. Right. So from the fucking moment that he got diagnosed, like I dealt with it immediately in a way of like just grief, like just sadness, bro. Especially as I, you know, learn more about what he's going through and you just realize like, dude, this is not, this is not looking good. You know, it's just not looking good. So that was my initial response to, you know, my brother's fucking diagnosis. And, you know, you fast forward about two years later to the point where you're getting the phone call telling you that he's going to die, that he's not going to make it. And, you know, my initial response at this point was fucking strength, just strength. There's just no other way to get through it. Like you're going to have to be strong because this is a fucking hurricane that's about to hit. It's about category fucking 20 hurricane. It's about to fucking, you know, wash down on the shores of my family's cribs. Uh, of our family's lives, my family's lives. And it's going to fucking rock the world. It's going to rock our world, bro. And the only way to get through that is with fucking sheer strength. Like there's just no if, ands, or buts about it. The fucking emotional, spiritual, attitudinal strength necessary to embrace the fact and accept the fact, or just get through the fact that a 34-year-old father of two is about to die. You know what I mean? And uh, so for those first three weeks, those first three months, rather, it's been just strength, dog, just strength. Like you fucking suck it the fuck up. You weather the storm and you keep it moving for yourself, for your family, for your brother, for his family and so on. You know what I mean? And you you do what you got to do to fucking get by. Motherfuck all these people that say like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You should No, fuck you, dude. You shouldn't be trying to you shouldn't be trying to police the way people deal with fucking grief. You know what I'm saying? And I just kind of felt that that was. That's kind of where I was when it came to this whole idea of recovery and addiction and relapse and all that kind of shit. And the ensuing guilt and the psychological distress that I put on myself because of my seemed un, un, inability, rather, to be able to deal with it. Oh, my God. Yeah, dog. So the basic gist is that I was just, you know, I'm writing this motherfucking thing. I'm going through this shit right now. And it just makes me realize that I myself have these unrealistic expectations. Like, who the fuck am I? I'm nobody, dog. And to think that other people are looking at me and being like, oh, this motherfucker. Like, I, he told me he was sober. And now he's not sober. Like, what a fucking letdown. What a disappointment. What a piece of shit, man. Fuck you. First of all, if that's how you really feel, double fuck, double birds for you. Okay. But more like, fuck you to my thoughts that are fucking with me in that particular sense. Like, I, dude, that's... I, I am what I am, right? I'm fucking not David Goggins. I'm not fucking the fucking, I'm not Russell Brand. I'm fucking ice motherfucking nice, okay? I have my flaws and I accept them for who I am. I'm not trying, I accept myself for who I am. I'm not trying to make excuses for my flaws. I will absolutely never, ever fucking not own up to my behavior. I will forever own my behavior because of my flaws for the better or the worse. But the idea that I'm fucking a weak person because I can't maintain this standard that other people are capable of doing, I'm not fucking buying it. I'm just not buying it. Like the idea that I'm a weaker person because I say like, you know what, dog? Yeah, sometimes I got to put the fucking the weight down. Like I'm not weak because of that. I'm not weak because I choose to fucking, you know, admit at the very least and engage in these fucking addictive behaviors that we develop as humans in order to try to fucking get through the strife of life, bro. Like it's okay. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? And that's me coming to terms with like my own personal self, like my own fucking the, the, the ideas of me that fuck with me. You know what I mean? But it's also in a sense, like just an understanding, bro, that m m there's multiple ways to navigate this reality, bro. And the idea of complete and outright sobriety and a lack in character when you do relapse is fucking, it's, it's just nonsensical to me. Nonsensical to me. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a cycle, bro. So much as, you know, at the very least, I'm happy that I can understand that. Right. Because again, 
like every other person, bro, on this planet. I, I struggle to get through life, right? It's not fucking easy, bro. Life is not easy. And anyone who says otherwise, they're either fucking faking the funk or they're just not reflecting on the matter deeply enough. I, I maintain, I just maintain it. There's no, there's no fucking, but there's just no way that that's something it could be a possibility of otherwise, right? Uh, specifically what I'm trying to say is that like leading a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of value. That's not easy, bro. That's not easy. It's easy to just get through the everyday shit, right? And some people do it with no problem, but I would venture to say they're fucking hurting inside. Okay. Um, but what's definitely not easy is fucking, again, this life of value that's valuable to us. Right. And you know, most of us, myself included, will just rather than carry that burden of, you know, living that weight, if you will, of living that life of meaning and value, we just, you know, we collapse into these ready-made traps of modern life to avoid the responsibility that we have to deal with this, right? The responsibility that we have to ourselves specifically. Uh, I, I say this because as I get to the end, I'm going to talk about how others try to take that responsibility away from us, but that's not, that we're not doing ourselves any favor by doing so, bro. It's just, and if anything, those people have the sneak tip desire of like an agenda, if you will, to make us believe otherwise, Right. And what I'm trying to say, dog, is like, oh, this, this life that we desire to live, bro, it's, it's not fucking easy, okay? It requires toughness. And for me, this toughness manifests, right, in my desire to lead this life uh, uh, in, in, in engaging in uh, all the actions that are necessary for me to lead this life that I find value, right? Um, that, that I find value in. What I mean is like, I want to be that dude, like this is me personally, like an insight to me personally, I, I, I figured out, if you will, most of the things that I need in my life. I need my family and friends, like first and foremost. I need to work out. I need to enjoy my hobbies, bro, like fucking reading and writing. I need to enjoy hobbies like creating this fucking podcast and editing up the video clips for the gram. I need to do that, right? Um, I need to work, obviously. I need to fucking find time to spend time with my family and friends because, like I said, it's the most important thing in my life. And I got to do, I gotta do this every single day, bro, because I know for a fact that that is what is necessary for me personally to lead a good, happy life. If I don't do this, any one of these things, at least on a daily basis, I'm not happy. There's going to be a little over fucking a lingering sense of anxiety like you fucking piece of shit. You wasted just a little bit of today so much so that now you're falling asleep tonight and you didn't do X, Y, or Z. Even if it's just Z, you didn't do that one thing that you know you have to do every single day in order to make your life meaning meaningful. And because of that, you're a fucking... You're, you're a slacker. You're being lazy. You're fucking, you're, you're making too much excuses because at the end of the day, you all, you have 24 hours like every other person on this planet. And the fact that you didn't, you know, manifest those, oh, these actions is indicative of nothing more than you fucking caved in. You catered, if you will, to your weakness, as opposed to having the strength necessary to put the fucking phone down. You don't need to be on fucking <laughs> social media. You don't need to have six hours of screen time every fucking week. Because that's six hours that could have been spent doing the shit that you did not do today, right? So that's like an insight into my own personal psychology for every single day. It's why I fucking wake up early in the morning. It's why I fucking go to sleep like early. That's why I do. It's what I do. What I do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when I don't do that, I, I again, it's just me personally feeling a failure to myself and realizing like, yo, you only got so many of these days left, homeboy. Because death is a very real inevitability for everybody. And the more time that you spend not doing these things, the more the unhappy days are going to accrue in your life. So much so that towards the end, it's going to be a really weird balance of how many good, like uh, how many good days you had as opposed to how many bad days. And, you know, if the good, if the bad days outweigh the good days, chances are you're not going to have had a good life. So you got to fucking be on your one too. That is a very intense fucking responsibility. Like admittedly, you know what I mean? 
And it's a very heavy, like there's people carrying heavier burdens. No, I'm not trying to make an excuse of it, but I'm saying like for me, it's fucking hard. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody in modern society, bro. But again, just because it's not easy doesn't mean that it's impossible, right? And something that I figured out during my doctoral program, when I started to realize how my addictive personality was in like 99% of the fucking issues in my life, the driving factor as to why I was, you know, so why I had more bad days at that point than I had good days. You know what I mean? And this was like a really big insight to me because again, there was this time when I would start getting upset at my family and my friends, for instance, right? Because I selfishly thought that they were trying to keep me from my studies, you know, by always asking for my time. But then I realized that it was me that was the asshole because again, I was fucking, I was letting my addictive uh, tendencies kick in to try to compensate or anesthetize specifically the, the current pain that I was feeling in my life. What was the pain that I was feeling in my life? My inability because of my own shitty choices to live up to the standards that I had placed on my life. And instead of having to deal with that fucking, that guilt, if you will, um, I, I just anesthetized myself through, you know, these placating behaviors like social media consumption, fucking junk food, alcohol, etc. Right. And because those felt so good, the majority, well, seemingly felt so good. It's false happiness, not real. Right. Um, but because they felt so real, if you will, that fake love be so real. Uh, I was spending more time on that because <laughs> it was anesthetizing me and I can, I can, I, I deluded myself into thinking that that's that this anesthetization was happiness when it wasn't, right? Real happiness I found when I started to engage in this behavior wasn't fucking completely putting the phone away, completely cutting out or not, you know, uh, not completely, but limiting greatly the amount of alcohol consumption, the amount of fucking uh, fast food consumption, junk food consumption, social media consumption, etc. And instead, focusing that energy and attention towards the shit that I needed to be doing when I was actually fucking supposed to be doing it. Like there would be times, for instance, when I would say, I'm going to go do fucking research for my, you know, for my dissertation. And uh, I would come to my room, to my, my, my fucking, my, my study, if you will. And uh, I would, instead of fucking opening up a book or opening up Microsoft to start typing and shit, I would just get on fucking social media or I would, you know, start fucking, you know, whatever that it took to just fucking distract myself from how, unfulfilling honestly the this the doctoral work was because the feeling of unfulfillingness was very um the feeling of unfulfillingness was to me very uh distressful because at the time i had this idea that i would have been of no value unless i had a dissert uh, a phd because you know of how how uh, immensely education has always been privileged in my life and you know if that's the case a, a phd in this western society is like the, the pinnacle of education but this is fucking bullshit, dog. Like, just again, this is the ideas of how my ideas were fucking with me. And but now I realize that, like, I don't fucking need a dissertation. I don't need a PhD. I'm fucking. I'm fine. I, I am who I am. I am what I am. Like, I, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? But at the time, it was like so important to me. But I, honestly, it didn't. It was very unfulfilling. The PhD work is very unfulfilling. Honestly, hood philosophy, very fulfilling. PhD work, not so much so. But uh, the fact that at that time I still hadn't fully, you know, understood where I what what the fuck was going on these cycles that I go through, I, I was like in deep psychological distress. And uh, instead of having to deal with that and, and the the ensuing unfulfillingness of the PhD program, I would just fucking you know mindless social media consumption and again same cycle of anesthetization. But what would happen then is in turn is that after like a couple of hours, my family and friends they want to do shit, bro. They don't want to just be sitting around in the house all day fucking while I'm you know in the back fucking reading and writing. Uh, my friends, they want to hang out. My family, they want to fucking see me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yo, like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you 
And I would personally take that as selfishness until I, because, well, why would the fuck, why would you want to take me away from this shit? You know how important this shit is, blah, 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 like that typical kind of shit. You know what I mean? And then I realized like, nah, bro, it's not them that's selfish. It's you. You're the selfish fuck. Okay. And uh, you real, realistically, you've had all this time in the world and now you're just wasting it. And, you know, this insight was, again, further elucidated by this Russell Brand book because I, I, it made me for the first time realize that mindless social media consumption was, in fact, an addiction. Okay. Uh, and it also happened to coincide with this time that I was really getting into Nietzsche. And it just helped me realize how much of a, basically, how much of a weak bitch I am. Okay. To use the Joe Rogan esque language, if you will. Um, <laughs> it made me realize that, you know, I wanted this life that was absolutely within reach, but I personally just, didn't have the strength to make it happen because uh, it, it required a lot of introspection and a lot of fucking self-reflection. It required a lot of healing, integrating of the unhealed shadow, if you will, right? And um, obviously, as I've been talking about this current trajectory of this Hood Philosophy Foundation, I was ill-equipped with the skills necessary to be able to do so. I just, you know, therapy is not an option in the sense that it's fucking expensive, bro. And uh, uh, <laughs> philosophy was supposed to be the out in the sense that that's why I studied it in the first place, trying to figure out the answer to all the fucking anxiety-inducing, fucking psychologically distressing uh, uh, ideas that I had about life and, you know, the ensuing patterns of behavior that I had developed to deal with them. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I, it, that, that, that took, like, my own personal work that comes after this particular part of the story. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, again, what it goes down to is, you know, just the basic gist of how the good life that I desired, it was within my reach, dog. And it's the only thing that was keeping me from achieving it uh, at, at, was me. Like, it's just that simple. It's just me and my unwillingness to deal with my own faults, okay? Like, poor time management, dog. Something that could be easily remedied, right? By fucking putting the phone away. Or perhaps, most importantly, wake up earlier, dog. Like, there was no reason for me to be sleeping into the hours that I was sleeping into. And I realized, you know what? Fuck this shit, dog. You just gotta stop complaining about the lack of time that you have and start managing it better, Wake up early, limit your social media consumption, and so on, dog. And honestly, even though it was fucking tough at first, the shit made night and day difference in my life, bro. And ultimately, I was, you know, yeah, I was able to get more accomplished and it had this fucking positive effect on my overall mood. And I realized like, yo, what the fuck? Like the answers to the fucking seeming problem that were plaguing you for so long were so, so simply overcome, right? You just got to Wake up early, eat the healthy food, fucking limit your social media consumption, read, write, do your hobbies, fucking learn a new thing every now and then. You know what I mean? And spend time with your family and friends. Pretty seemingly pretty simple, right? So then I go off on this fucking tear, just a tear, like an absolute tear that led to the creation of most of Hood Philosophy. And um, yeah, it was fucking awesome until it wasn't because then I started to realize the challenge came about six months later with the realization that it's not going to come until it's not going to come to an end until my life itself fucking comes into an end. You know what I mean? And with that, the, 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 the creation of the space of exhaustion and mental, mental fatigue started to set in. Right. And again, this is where that whole fucking ensuing psychological distress comes from. Like this is, you know, again, I'm reading Nietzsche at the time. Uh, I'm really heavy into David Goggins at the time. I'm getting deep into fucking sobriety and recovery at the time. And the one fucking central theme all three of them have with one another is the fucking resoluteness to continue unabated fucking forever, right? <laughs> but, but then, you know, so again, this is like four or five years ago. Now that I'm fucking here now, there was a time when I get to this point of psychological exhaustion. And I just say to myself, bro, I fucking just can't anymore. This is too fucking tired. I'm just, I'm, I'm already exhausted. You know what I mean? 
It's only been six months. <laughs> How the fuck am I going to do this for the rest of my life? So this doubt starts to creep in, dog. And then all the, well, whys and shit start to, you know, the, the evils, again, they start to creep into our minds. And they slowly started to eat me away, dog, until my will had been weakened to the point where I had just collapsed, dog. I had collapsed from the recovery of existence and back into the addictive behaviors because, fuck, I was so tired and just wanted a break that, you know, again, it started small. Like, you can have a little bit of social media as a treat. And then, you know, the cognitive dissonance, inevitably, you deserve it. You've been doing so good. Here's an extra hour of social media consumption. And the next thing I knew, this fucking one little bit of slack that I gave myself collapsed me back into another complete fucking outright alcohol binge. <laughs> this was like three years ago, right? It's not even the current one that I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, that was my uh, first official collapse after my first official, quote unquote, recovery, if you will. Right. And um, that one lasted a long time. Honestly, that one lasted like a good six months. It kind of balanced out basically any fucking seeming. I didn't last like it lasted like three months, but it felt like fucking forever. But um, as I was, you know, lulled back into this comfortable state of existence, if you will, uh, that one made me realize, like, holy shit, dude, I'm fucking back where I started. I thought I was gone. I thought I had escaped this fucking part of my life forever. And that was the first one that really fucking tested my will. And the only way that I knew to fucking out of it was to completely hit it the exact opposite way and basically engage in all the behaviors that it was that led me to this fucking collapse in the first place right um to this relapse if you will in the first place and then you know just the cycle just that cycle starts like it's like again it's a cycle that's been it's been my life for forever but before what happened is that i would just collapse into this relapse into this addiction part and I would go fucking years, literally, dog, years without even addressing it. You know what I mean? Until shit got terribly bad where I could no longer fucking take that either. You know what I mean? And that's where the whole dark night of the soul type shit kicks in, right? But um, what I started to notice is that I'm still stuck in this fucking cycle, dog. But, but the fucking amount of time that I'm in recovery, if you will, and the ensuing ability to stay within them compared to, you know... Uh, the amount of time that I was in relapse and my uh, unwillingness to stay in that particular place, those days of recovery began to increase, dog. And the days of relapse, they became fewer and fewer, right? And perhaps best of all, in the time I learned that, you know, this, I, I started to learn more about this possessive Nahuatl metaphysics. And then that's when I started to realize, like, yo, motherfuck this Western, this Western, this Western Christian Socratic understanding of progress, man. Because again, it's not linear, bro. This goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning of the pro uh, of the podcast with uh, dealing with grief. Like, it's not fucking linear. I'm not leaving denial forever. Like, no, dude, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never not be in denial. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna cycle. It's gonna cycle. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll be back in denial one day. And my only goal is that I won't be fucking stuck there forever. Like, I know that after denial will come acceptance, and from acceptance will come fucking, you know, all the other stages of recovery. And that I know that. The amount of time that I spend, hopefully, if I, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm mindful of it and continue to do the work necessary to move on is going to be, you know, less and less. And the time and acceptance and, you know, uh, all that kind of shit is going to be more and more. And occasionally I am going to have to put the weight down because of how fucking difficult it is to deal with. And it's not going to be a weakness on my, on my behalf. It's going to just be an understanding that, yeah, you know what? This progression, it's all a process, dog. There is no end goal and that's okay, right? There's only this continuous progression and the continued ability to fucking reorder our lives for the better at any given moment. So again, 
And getting back to this practicing compassion and forgiveness, what I'm trying to say is that, nah, man, I'm not giving myself an out for my addictive behaviors, okay? I'm not giving myself an out for my addictive behaviors. I'm taking complete ownership of them, homie. And for the fucking one of the only times I can trace, you know, directly to their origination point. It's not something like, oh, some ch- unfucking resolved childhood trauma. Like, no, dude, I'm fucking in a tough spot right now. My brother just died. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? This is a very clear fucking, there's not, it didn't just come out of nowhere. It's not a fucking fault in my character at this behind, at this point. It's a fucking very real life fucking circumstance that I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? It's tough as fuck, dog. It's tough as fuck, period. Life is period. It's tough as fuck, period. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you add on to that, trying to do all the things that people personally find fulfilling, right? Like me with all the shit that I was just talking about. And then you throw in something as fucking catastrophic as the death of a brother, as a loved one. And, you know, of course you're going to be tired, dog. Of course you're going to be tired, right? And there's only going to be so much longer that you can continue to live that weight or lift that weight. And where I personally found the fault was in the Chian philosophy and this Goggins philosophy and this fucking recovery. Maybe I'm not too deep into it. I don't know yet. So if you're in recovery or you know better about it, feel free to fucking... There's nothing compared to a you know a book by Russell Brand of the actual fucking real experience of recovery, but it's this idea that you know um, you're in you, you collapsing and relapsing is a fucking weakness and you know should be treated as such. That no, dude, I'm just not with that. You know what I mean? And and that's okay, bro. That's okay. It's okay to like I said, I, I continue to fucking emphasize. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to admit both, right? And it's okay. It's okay to keep, just put the weight down for a moment, bro. And honestly, you can spare me that Camusian over fucking glorification, homie, because, you know, Sisyphus, I mean, it's such a stupid fucking story, honestly, right? Because you could let the rock down and chill for just a little bit, homie. You can relax against the wall. There's nothing like, I get it, right? It's not, but it's not that crucial, dog. This idea that you got to keep pushing and overcome, like, that's such Western Christian bullshit, dog. Like, honestly, and Camus was no exception. This myth of Sisyphus, no exception, right? This idea that we're constantly in conflict with and fighting against reality for meaning and purpose. Like, uh, no, dude, that's just more of the fucking psychological distress inducing type of ideation machismo bullshit that we have from this fucking Western world that we're living in, dog. It's not a sign of weakness, okay? And I'll maintain that it's not a sign of weakness. And Nietzsche with his fucking mental breakdown can fuck off, dog, because that's probably besides the cancer that, you know, uh, uh, one of the reasons why he fucking led to where he went to, dog, because he was so vigilant in his fucking quest to find meaning and purpose in the absence of a Western God and fighting against reality that it was fucking, it over, it, 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 eh. I don't want to say it defeated him, dog, because, you know, he fucking create, he elevated to very high levels, but I personally don't want to fucking spend the last years of my life in complete fucking mental catatonia because of the fucking, psychologically distressing weight that you've been carrying without a break. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I guess I'm just trying to say like, it's okay to live and enjoy the little things in life, bro, including some alcohol in every now and then. And you know, Nietzsche could certainly disagree, but honestly he can fuck himself with that whole pharmacopoeia of drugs that he was taking himself trying to deal with the fucking physical pain of his existence. You know what I mean? So the point is that like (sighs) the, where the real, and again, and again, like, this idea that just because we're not drinking alcohol, that we're not stuck in a fucking addictive, in an addictive place. Like, I'm not buying it, bro. What I'm saying is that, uh, there's, it's very, I gotta be very, very, very careful with what I'm saying here. Cause I don't want to fucking be disingenuous and I don't want to fucking simplify and fucking essentialize, you know, comp, very beneficial field of life. But again, for me, it just seems as though where the real problem lies is it's not in getting knocked down, bro. It's in, it's in not getting back up. Okay. 
And this idea, this idea of not getting back up, this goes back to the shit I was talking about earlier about forgiveness and compassion towards myself, right? Living a good life in general, it's hard as fuck, bro. But I want to be that dude that does everything necessary to make it happen nonetheless, right? And the only way to do this, obviously, is with strict discipline. You know, because of that, I'm super fucking hard on myself, bro, which is a good thing because it does motivate me tremendously, right? But it also does cause a psychological distress. And when I'm not able to adhere to my own standards and I simply don't want to, you know, all I'm trying to say is like, I just don't want, I'm mindful of both. Okay. And instead of fucking tearing myself apart, trying to fucking, you know, literally pulling myself apart, you know, down the middle and trying to adhere to either one of them. I just, what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to spend more time in the destructive pattern anymore than I am in the, in the constructive pattern of my life. Right. I don't want to let the latter rule out, is what I'm saying. Or rather, the, the, the destruction rule out. Again, there's a reason I cannot continue to emphasize this about Nietzsche, dog. But, you know, I'm not a dogmatist. I don't fucking, I don't, I don't need to adhere to everything that it is that Nietzsche tells us, okay? In order to feel that, you know, <laughs> I don't have to adhere to the sanctified theory in order to feel that, you know, I'm living my life accordingly. That's ridiculous, right? He had a dope landscape at best, but to say that, you know, you have to adhere unquestionably, it's just nonsense, dog. I'm not Nietzsche, homie. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with that, admitting that. I'm not fucking David Goggins. I'm okay with admitting that, right? Not because I'm okay with settling for less because those motherfuckers have set an amazing standard for what I would love to accomplish in my life, but because I'm not the person that's not going to be able to put down the weight occasionally. Who's going to carry the boats, right? It's nice. All of us, collectively, right? Like, what the fuck, dude? This whole rugged individualism shit is fucking nonsensical, man. I'm not saying it's nonsensical in the sense that it doesn't have merit and value. Like, yes, it does. You got to fucking... As an individual, hold yourself accountable. But you got to understand that it's not fucking diametric opposites. Individualism and collectivism, right? The idea here being as a strong individual, you make the collective stronger itself. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say, dog. So I have no problem setting down the burden. And maybe that's why no one will remember well, No one will remember my name, right? Unlike fucking Nietzsche and Goggins. But honestly, I'm okay with that. Because the desire to fucking have your name remembered is itself one of these ideas that we create in our heads. And it fucks with us dog and it serves to fucking disempower us and that's why maybe a lot of us even collapse into outright vandalism because we feel as though i'm since i'm not going to be remembered there's no fucking point in doing anything at all to which i say no dude that's this fucking nonsensical idea that you fucking you have to even be remembered in the first place it's causing you severe psychological distress and that because of that you're fucking we are collapsing into these fucking behavioral patterns that anesthetize they don't alleviate they anesthetize that psychological distress when in reality, that psychological distress should be the fucking psychic fuel necessary to fucking still live a life of meaning and value regardless of whether we'll be remembered or not. You know what I mean? So, you know, <laughs> for me, laying down this weight, it does not mean collapsing into, you know, uh, it, it doesn't mean that. It, okay, yes, I lay down the weight and I collapse into party mode, right? And if I let folks down with that admission, I'm okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Like if it really did bother you, I'm okay with that. Right. I'm, you know, like it is what it is. Right. What I'm trying to say is that I'm just thankful now to be at the point where I know it's not permanent and that I can recognize that I have the knowledge necessary to recognize it and to fucking more importantly, the strength necessary to pull myself up out of it. Right. And that understanding that most of the distress that this causes is, again, it's in my own fucking head anyways, because it implies that, again, I'm fucking, <laughs> it's so vainglorious to think that others think so deeply of me, right? Um, and that doing so will cause them to judge me to begin with, okay? Um, 
But more importantly, it's because I'm about admitting to myself that, yeah, dog, I'm not perfect. And that I am, in fact, severely flawed and destructive, self-destructive. And that's okay. Like, <laughs> right? Because at least by accepting that and recognizing that I can work to fucking avoid it as much as possible and overcome it when I do collapse into it, right? It's a tough admission. It's a tough admission, um, especially for those of us who had such lofty expectations who were, that were placed on us on child, in childhood, right? And that we allowed those expectations to fucking dictate our continued mental health in adulthood. But, you know, that's the whole point. That's the whole point about reflecting on our lives and about reflecting on our lives and shit, dog, to recognize these self-destructive patterns of behavior and disempower them before they disempower us. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. This fucking recovery process is the whole point of philosophizing and so on. So, yeah, dog, again, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm not David Goggins. I'm not fucking Nietzsche. But I'm also sincere in my desire to want to do better. And, I, you know, I, I in, in my life, dog, and I've been through the suck enough to know that I don't like it and I don't want to be there, right? And this hood philosophy shit has been nothing more than a fucking, it's a, a roadmap that I've created for myself to fucking get out of it, dog. And I share it in the hopes that if others are fucking going through it in the same way, maybe it can help you too. But again, like I said, if it doesn't, I fucking wish nothing more for you than you find something that will, right? Oh, anyways, I guess in continuing along with this idea, I've been through the suck, you know what I mean, in life, and I do what I have to do to avoid it. But I'm only so strong and can only carry the weight for so long, and that's where I'm at now, right? But to be fair, to be fair, I still am here in many ways, but like I said before, even though I'm here, it's nowhere near as bad as I was before, right? So again, I'm not trying to get caught up in this fucking pity party, because, you know, <laughs> we're... This pity party, dog, where I don't do shit more than make excuses for all the things that I've not done. And honestly, that shit's lame as fuck, dog. Uh, and it itself is nothing more than one of these vicious cycles, these self-defeating fucking holes that we get into that, you know, swallows us up. And more importantly, it swallows up the opportunity to change this fucking behavior at any moment. So again, I'm just thankful that I'm at the point now in my life where I can at least recognize it. And no, it's just a matter of time before I overcome it, bro. So I guess the whole point then to, in conclusion, in getting near the conclusion of this podcast is to just, it's again, is to remind myself, it's a conversation with myself that I'm sharing basically, right? It's a conversation of me reading out loud the insights that I came to that helped me overcome this position in my life before, to help me escape the Nepantla before, if you will, right? To transition out of the Nepantla as I did before. And again, the goal basically is to just get back to being in the strangest way possible to say it, but it's true unsatisfied with life, but not unsatisfied because I'm ungrateful for what I've done or what I've accomplished and what I have, but unsatisfied because I know that I'm just capable of so much more, dog. This fucking self-destructive patterns of behavior that I'm engaging in right now currently have been three or four days, however many days it's been that I have not, right? I'm happy for those. I'm thankful for those, right? And I continue to seek to want to build on them because I know that what they're doing is nothing more than keeping me from living the life that I know that I'm capable of, bro. The, the days of happiness that I know that are actual real happiness, bro, that I'm capable of, right? And, you know, enjoying them now, not so much as a fucking fault in my character, but as just a break. Like, I think it was a, it was a vacation from that life, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And the vacation's going to come to an end and you got to get back on the fucking grind, dog. So you got to refuse to allow yourself the comfort of believing that, you know, we've made it in any, that I've made it. I'm talking to myself here, but you know, I'm going to be inclusive. I'm not trying to talk to you. I'm not trying to pontificate. I'm not trying to make normative claims. Fuck all that shit, dog. Right. I'm sharing with you my thoughts. So if I say you or me, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to cast judgment. You know what I mean? It's just the parlance of how this shit is written out. I'm talking to myself here, right? 
I got to refuse to allow myself the comfort of believing I've made it like in any aspect of life, dog, because doing so again is nothing more than this mental masturbation that it just, it placates the will to power, dog, to use the Nietzschean life, right? To use the Nietzschean language. It placates this drive to be the best version of ourselves possible, all right? That's the will to power, bro. This shit, it's not, you know, you got to recognize that. Yeah, dog, it's not going to be over until we spit our last breath, son. And this only the beginning, like we're only at the beginning, right? But we have to stay committed regardless, as strong for as long as we possibly can, right? To seeing it through. Because in the end, honestly, the other alternative is just not satisfying. The life of doing nothing and laying around passively is just, it's not satisfying, dog. Okay? The realization that existence is a fucking constant, constant struggle, bro. Existence is this constant struggle between the desire for greatness, if you will, quote unquote greatness, and the temptation for mediocrity, bro, which again, is so tempting and so easy to fall into, but it's ultimately just unfulfilling, bro. And, you know, this is where the real Nietzschean fucking uh, influence, if you will, in my philosophy can be read. It's especially in my contempt for myself and others who allow the struggle to get them down. I think here specifically like of the dude that knocked up my mom, my quote unquote dad, if you will. I've never met the motherfucker. Never want to meet the motherfucker. And people will always tell me shit like, oh, you need to have more sympathy and, you know, you need to be more compassionate and understand his struggle, right? And they think that my refusal to do so, again, it's, it's, it's not that they think that it's evidence of, you know, some underlying hurt on my behalf that's manifesting itself in the form of anger, right? And that, uh, that I'm, you know, directing that anger in towards, in terms of hostility towards him, you know, because he was absent in my life. To which I say, honestly, that's, that's not true. It's just not true, dog. <laughs> and the reason why it's not true is because I, the dude, I, I think he's a weak person and I think weakness is a disease and that like all diseases, weakness is easily transmissible. All right. And because of that, that's why I don't want to fucking meet the motherfucker. How do I know he's a weak person? Cause he's a heroin addict, dog. And, you know, yeah, like I have a little bit of sympathy towards people who are dealing with addictions, but not a whole lot, bro. Not a whole lot. Right. Um, and especially those that are okay with it and they have no desire to get better. Like I have no sympathy for those motherfuckers at all, which my dad is one of them. You know what I mean? And the reason why is because I think they're weak people. Why are they weak people? Because you allow the difficulty of life to keep you down to a point where you're okay with the fucking anesthetizing effects of heroin addiction then rather than having to deal with the fucking difficulties of life, like my dad did, right? So I, 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 that's, you know, maybe I'm hostile. Maybe I'm, I'm not fucking, I'm not wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to walk that comment down. Then there's people who say, you got to be more sympathetic to the heroin addicts. Fuck that, fuck that, fuck them, right? Like, so heroin addicts have done some of the most beautiful fucking forms of art that I appreciate and have brought so much meaning and value to my life. I'm thinking of the red hot chili pepper specifically. However, if they would have fucking collapsed into their outright heroin addiction, I would not have lamented. I would not have shed a single tear. Not because I didn't love them. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the music. You know what I mean? I don't know the people. Um, I'm thankful for what they've contributed to life. But ultimately, like, we're all struggling, dog. We're all struggling. And, you know, the way that you do, do you choose to deal with the struggling, it, some of us fucking deal with heroin. Some of us fucking wake up at 530 in the morning and go work out, right? I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not saying that you're fucking weaker than I. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm saying that you're weaker than I. I'm just, I'll be all right with it. You know what I mean? Because as comforting as it is to fucking shoot yourself up with heroin, what comes from it, dog? All I'm saying is we're all struggling, homeboy. Okay. And my fear of this struggle is amplified 
by the understanding that I have very addictive fucking characteristic traits and that those characteristic traits are easily fucking, they're easily fucking activated, if you will. And that I have to be very vigilant to ensure that they're not fucking activated, right? And so part of that desire to fucking ensure that they're not uh, activated is my desire to stay away from what I perceive to be weak people. And what do I perceive to be weak people? People who willingly allow those to be activated and willingly stay where they're at by way of, like my dad, heroin addiction, irrespective of the fucking detrimental effect that it has on their lives. Why? Because again, we're all fucking struggling, homie, for one. For two, more importantly, I recognize myself in my father. They say to ourselves, for instance, that we're, uh, we're mirrors. Other people are just mirrors of ourselves. So the things that we hate most about other people is a reflection of ourselves. And I fucking agree wholeheartedly. So when I'm talking about my dad here, what is the actual fear on my behalf is that I will end up like him. That's that's my fear as a fucking loser heroin addict, okay? And uh, so when I say that his weakness is a disease, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I can easily be fucking afflicted by that disease. And I, I know that. I know that. So no, I want nothing to do with this motherfucker because any little bit of fucking presence he has in my life increases the likelihood of transmissibility of this disease. And then there's there's very little in the way stopping me from becoming him, right? The only little bit that I have, and it's only recently been developed, is, again, all the shit that I've been talking about in the last fucking hour or so of this podcast, right? So, yeah, dog. Weakness. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't value weakness. And, you know, I value strength. Let's just keep it as 100 as possible, right? But obviously not the fucking physical kind, as I've mentioned before, but, you know, but it does make for a great metaphor, Right? I guess, like, I think about this dude, that one dude, Ronnie Coleman, that really buff dude, right? It's still your motherfucking set, that guy, right? I think about him, right? When I'm talking about this, with his desire to fucking, what is he, you know, what is he talking about? Nothing more than this desire within us all to quit lifting, if you will, right? When shit gets fucking heavy and we feel that we're at our end. That's all he's saying. That's all, when he says, it's, it's still your motherfucking set. When David Goggins is talking about who's going to lift the boats, it's the same idea. Like, you feel you're at your end. And you want to quit lifting, but don't. You have more in you still. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of strength that I'm talking about, bro. Emotional strength. Yeah, dog. We've all been to the emotional breaking point. The death of a loved one is fucking devastating. And most of us get to that point where we feel as though we've broken. We set the weight down and we never pick it back up again because of how difficult the weight is to do. And I don't blame you for putting that fucking weight down, homie. I don't blame you. Where I do blame you, where I do blame my dad, is in being too weak to continue to fucking lift it up and keep going. Take a break. Put it down. Regain your composure, okay? Deal with the fucking weakness. Accept the weakness. You know, embrace the weakness for what it is. Like, it's just a fucking, it's, it's a sign, if nothing more. Like, you're tired. You need to take a break before you have a complete fucking collapse, right? Regain your strength. Pick up the weight and keep fucking moving. That's it, Right? Don't let this be the the final fucking resting place. The weakness of my dad, that was his final resting place. There is no coming back from his heroin addiction. He's come to terms with it. He does not want to come back from his heroin addiction because it's easier to anesthetize himself than it is to deal with the difficulty of life. I don't respect that at all in any way, shape, or form. I don't value it. What I do value is the people who put down the fucking heroin needle recover their life and fucking keep it moving. Yeah, you're going to have your, you might have your fucking, your, your slip ups in the middle. Of course. Right. But to not fucking keep it moving after that, that's where the fucking true weakness on my behalf comes into play. Right. <laughs> and that's when I think about this fucking Rodney, this fucking this. It's still your motherfucking set, dude. Right. Um, 
I also think a lot about that dragon metaphor. It, it was made by fucking, what's his name? Campbell, right? Uh, but it was popularized most recently by uh, Jordan Peterson, the, the dragon metaphor. You got to slay the dragon, right? Uh, it's, you know, again, it's an old concept. Nietzsche has a little bit of a take on it himself, you know what I mean? But the point of emphasis here is that, you know, I, most of us were content to live vicariously through the hero's actions, right? Rather than actually be the hero, if you will. And because of that, we're, you know, essentially doing nothing more than stripping our lives of the beauty that, you know, trying to slay the dragon, the beauty that trying to slay the dragon entails, right? So, for instance, you know, you have the, 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 for me personally, the greatest dragons that I ever faced when I was younger was fucking, uh, uh, the financial burden. When I was really young, dude, I was fucking terrible with money. Like I was 19, 20 years old making mad money in the military, bro. But I was fucking awful with it. Like, I just could not save it. I could not spend it wisely to save my life, right? Um, A lot of that could be fucking charged with, you know, the social fucking public school systems and all that kind of shit. But again, radical responsibility, taking ownership for our lives, realizing that I never really did anything to stop myself from being bad with money in my younger, in my younger days. Why? Because, <laughs> you know... My entire life, I was basically, I had just taken a passenger seat, okay, to the management of my life, including, you know, my finances, for instance. Um, and I was, you know, in retrospect, living like carefree, but well, at the time I was living carefree, but in retrospect, I was just, it's, it's like I was more afraid to not only confront, but more importantly, to overcome the beast of financial burden, if you will, Right. And I knew it was wrong to do so. And God knows how many times when I was fucking in my youth thought that I felt like shit because of my being broke. You know what I mean? But I never really did anything to try to stop it from coming, right? Uh, I never really did anything to try to stop it from defeating me. A large part of that is because I had a secure paycheck. I was like, fuck it, dude. I'm in the military. I'm going to get paid every two weeks no matter what. You know what I mean? So fuck it. Spend all the money. Who gives a fuck? I'll have another paycheck in a couple of days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but even though there'd be like fucking four or five days between paychecks when I was like, fuck, I got to eat ramen noodles for the next five days, every meal. Cause I have no more money left. I'm spending it recklessly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I would never try to do anything to try to stop it. Okay. And what happened is that I allowed myself to become a victim dog. I allowed myself to become a victim because doing so was much easier than actually manning the fuck up and confronting my own dragon, my own demon that was haunting me. Right. And rather than actually deal with it, I would make every excuse for it, dog, including, you know, engaging in actions that would only further lead me to financial problems. I remember one time, to be fair, I was 19. I was, I was a fucking moron, okay? But uh, I was also trying to impress her. This young lady, she was a, a dancer at a gentleman's club, right? Uh, she was a sex worker or, you know, uh, to use the language of 2006 when this was happening. She was a stripper, right? <laughs> and uh, I was just like... I was trying to pick her up, basically, okay? And, you know, I gave her, to be fair, she did come home with me, right? But it's kind of weird admitting. It's kind of weird in the sense that it's, like, basically prostitution. Um, what happened, though, was like, yeah, I gave her a fuckload of money, dog. And I had no problem doing so because, again, I was fucking 19. Fucking walking moron, okay? But two, because I was like, ah, fuck it. Like, you know, I'll get paid again. But three, more importantly, because <laughs> it just, you know, it was it, it was a way, essentially, to deflect bigger issues that I was dealing with at the time, right? Uh, being in this financial predicament was a lot easier to deal with than the actual motivating force for why I was in the financial predicament, which in retrospect was unresolved mommy issues, basically, right? You have these unresolved mommy issues. They manifested for me at the age of 19 in reckless fucking spending of money because A, I knew I was going to have a rec uh, another paycheck and B, because it was easier to fucking 
give our stripper fucking 500 bucks to fucking, you know, whatever, than it was for me to deal with the fact that, oh shit, my mom didn't love me when I was a kid, basically. You know what I mean? So because of that, that's the ultimate dragon that I'm fucking dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it hurt like a motherfucker, dog, when I finally started to confront it. It really did. It was very fucking tough. It was embarrassing thinking of how much money I spent, all this kind of shit, right? It's just very difficult. But after the initial lesson, I was able to grow from it and become smarter with my finances. I'm not a fucking, I'm not, you know, a, a financial genius by any stretch of the imagination at this point, but I've come so far from where I was in my early 20s, dog. And I've able, I've been able to grow from it and become smarter because of it. You know what I mean? And again, it was easy. It was easy, especially when I was going through the process of fucking slaying my financial dragon, if you will, to fucking make all the excuses for why I was in my predicament. I would fucking, a typical liberal arts fucking turd, right? I would blame white people. I would blame colonialism. I would blame capitalism, <laughs> all that kind of shit, right? And, you know, to be fair, rightfully so in many ways, no doubt, no question about it. But ultimately, dog, you know, you get to the point when you realize, yo, survival is the name of the game, homie. And motherfuckers are always trying to find a way to get by despite all of the excuses I just made. So what was my excuse, right? And my excuse was simple. I was just afraid of life and I didn't want to take the responsibility necessary on my behalf to survive a capitalist fucking colonial world despite the odds being stacked against me, right? Uh, or, 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 or in our favor even. And my ability to do show and my ability to fucking, you know, uh, 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 capitalize on these favors. So to circle back around, basically, I introduced the financial part because, dog, honestly, in the fucking death of my brother, I spent so much money, so much money. Like, I fucking blew through so much of my savings um, just just trying to fucking spend to feel better, basically. You know what I mean? I was trying to spend the pain away. And then you come to the point when you realize, like, hey, you stupid fuck, look at you, engaging in all these self-destructive patterns of behavior again, getting drunk, getting fucking, uh, fucking, is my camera still on? What's going on over here? Sorry. I start collapsing into these fucking, I just realized that I start collapsing back into these fucking terrible patterns of behavior, bro. So I bring it up because it makes you realize that like, just they're ever present, homie. They're ever present, whether it be fucking, the weakness is, is ever present on our behalf. And the basic gist, because I just realized that my video is fucked up here. And uh, I'm just gonna, instead of finishing the last couple of pages of this podcast, just cut that part off to something different. But I do wanna just end it on this part right here. This is the central time point, okay? is the understanding that, yeah, dog, our weaknesses exist and we are flawed individuals and that's okay. I don't say it's okay because you're going to make, because it's okay to make shitty fucking excuses for our, uh, I don't say it's okay because it gives us a reason to make excuses for our shitty behavior. I say it's okay because we got to practice compassion and forgiveness with ourselves and recognize the weakness itself as a fucking indicator of the things in life. We got to have the emotional intelligence, if you will. To be able to recognize the weakness, not as a fucking failure in character, so much as uh, 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 itself uh, 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 a tool to diagnose the parts of our lives that need to be uh, attended to, whether by complete fucking avoidance, as I do with my fucking uh, drug addicted father, right, in, in, in an effort to avoid the, the, the disease of, you know, his weakness, or whether it be to fucking show us the parts in our life that need to fucking be addressed so that we can continue to, you know, uh, 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 do the shit necessary to live good and happy lives or whether it's simply just to fucking give us the ability to put the weight down for a second and take a fucking break so that we don't fucking collapse ultimately in terms of you know mentally and spiritually etc and ultimately into this pits of knowledge and despair because we allow ourselves to be disempowered by the false ideas that we have of who we are 
uh, and, and what we should be and, you know, the, the behaviors that we're engaging in that are keeping us from doing so, right? So uh, the wrap-up is ultimately going to be how uh, the victim's mentality is the ultimate anesthetizing, uh, the ultimate anesthetizing practice, behavior, drug, right? And that's where I was going to take this uh, podcast and end it with. But instead of doing so, you know, in an effort to share the video as well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this bitch up for today. And yeah, right, until next time, I hope you have a great rest of your day, night, whenever the fuck it is you're listening to this. Peace.